الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونتوب اليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم وبعد uh, the topic that we have this afternoon has been entitled Muslims in America connecting with the international ummah and I will begin uh, my name is Ali Tamimi and then I'll be followed by brother Suhaib Webb uh, and then there's time for your comments and questions inshallah so when we're talking about connecting with the international ummah we're talking about basically our responsibilities and duties to the Muslims as a whole we all understand that as muslims we constitute an ummah which is distinct from all other nations as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the constitution of medina when he came to medina they wrote the constitution of medina uh, it is mentioned therein that the muslims represent an ummah in exclusion to all other peoples and as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said in another hadith millatul kufr wahida that the millah or the nation of unbelief is a single nation so there are two there are two ummas the ummah of faith and the ummah of unbelief unfortunately what has happened while this was a very clear concept in the minds of muslims let's just say 100 years ago or so what happened is due to colonialization which was the conquest of the unbelievers of the lands of the muslims the muslims began to distance themselves from this reality and instead of allegiance to islam and to the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam allegiance became toward other banners at times the allegiance was to one's nation a nationalistic allegiance at times it became allegiance to a political party or other manifestations of this so the notion of a single ummah was lost the notion of a single ummah was lost and people began to identify themselves and began to show allegiance upon other banners these banners are the banners of jahiliya ignorance which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said in a hadith da'uha fa innaha leave it alone for it is something which is repugnant and indeed the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said whoever calls for a call of jahiliya he is calling to the hellfire they said they said even if he fasts or prays they said even if he fasts or prays and claims he's a muslim so a muslim's allegiance should be to islam and islam alone that's the only allegiance we have and we look at the world through those lenses through those lenses we look at the world through the lens as how close a person is to the teachings of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam the closer a person is to the teachings of the prophet the closer our allegiance is to him and the greater our allegiance to him the further a person has distanced himself from the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam's teachings the further we distance ourselves from that person and that is the principle by which we should conduct ourselves Indeed us Muslims we constitute an ummah 
which is not just an ummah that is unique to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and his followers, but we are part of a greater ummah which extends to all the Prophets and their true followers. We are an ummah which goes to the Prophet Adam alayhi salam, and throughout history, all the Prophets throughout this history and their true followers coming to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and his companions and the true followers of the Prophet and his companions until we have the last Muslims on the face of the earth those who will come when the Messiah and Messiah ibn Maryam Isa ibn Maryam السلام, returns to earth and descends and the, the generation that come thereafter this is all a single ummah, ummah of faith indeed our ummah is such that it not only extends to human beings but also extends to other creatures which share the same faith and belief as us like the angels, like those believing jinns, they are also part, we are all part of this one, you know, uh, ummah in the sense that we all worship Allah Allah. So therefore, you find that Islam teaches us that we have certain etiquette that we need to observe before the angels, before be, before the other creatures, because this is part of the general, the general um, bonds we have of faith. But, but what our focus is this afternoon, what we would like to discuss this afternoon, is our connections with the Ummah as a whole. Unfortunately, there are those people who are trying to sever Muslims in the United States from the Ummah as a whole by trying to implant an idea amongst Muslims in the United States. Some do it out of a malintent, others do it ignorantly, that we Muslims in the United States are somewhat distinct from the Muslims in the world. In other words, we have our own problems. We are, and they try to argue that we're first and foremost Americans. And those are those people. So, yeah, we are all Muslims, but you know, we are Americans. We should be concerned with what is important for America and what those people face and suffer. That's what they, their problems are. And this is obviously contradicts the notion of our faith and contradicts the notion of our religion. Okay. Now, what I'd like to talk about, though, is I would like to talk about. Uh, nine principles that I have before me on how we can on the incumbency of Muslims uniting and cooperating because I think and I would hope that amongst the, the brothers who have attended this lecture the, the idea that we, we, we constitute a single ummah is clear should be clear in our minds Okay, if there's anybody who has doubts concerning that matter or has questions we can then address that during the question and answer session but I would think that the majority of us we understand this, this single, uh, this the notion of a single ummah, and so therefore, uh, you know, we need to, uh, base upon that, we need to talk about the more practical matters about, you know, the the, the incumbency of, of Muslim uh, cooperation. Um, now, but there is one thing I'd like to mention, which would would would, would show, to sort of the, show us the importance of Muslim unity, and and this is the following hadith. Um, many of us, I think, or all of us, are familiar. Uh, with the life of the Prophet Ibrahim Among the events that occurred in his life was that when he as a young man you know, broke the idols you know, in his land okay, the pagans of his land commanded the, uh, to build a fire and to burn Ibrahim and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a miracle to show that he was a prophet sent by Allah azawajal and upon the truth, commanded the fire, right, to not burn Ibrahim alayhi salam or harm him. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Kuni, the fire, be cool and salaman, not harmful to Ibrahim alayhi salam. 
So Allah commanded the fire with the, the nature. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created fire that has the property of burning, right? And that when a human being is placed in a fire, it consumes a human being and it causes harm to that human being and, and pain to that human being. And that's why among the punishments in the hereafter is that there is a fire with which human beings and jinn are burnt. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show us a sign as a miracle, just like other prophets have other miracles, that the fire would, when, when Ibrahim was cast into it, right, neither burnt him or harmed him. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ informs us that when this fire was being um, um, kindled and Ibrahim was inside it, all the creatures attempted to blow the fire out. I mean, the creatures on the earth, you know what I'm saying, that were there, right, the animals and so forth, right, they attempted to blow out the fire, to extinguish it, to, to douse out its flames. Why? Because they share with Ibrahim that faith. They are also worshipping Allah in their own way, as animals and and birds and so forth. The Prophet ﷺ told us, except for the wazakh. The wazakh might be translated into English as a chameleon or something like that. It's a type of lizard. Okay, It did not seek to douse out the flames, but rather what it did was it tr- attempted to kindle the flames. So what did the Prophet ﷺ command us to do? Huh? The Prophet ﷺ commanded us that whenever we come across this wazakh, this type of lizard, right? to pelt it with stones and to kill it. What does it show us? It shows us the connection of a single ummah. You see that back to the Prophet Ibrahim salam, how the Prophet salam, commanded us right, to take this position towards this creature because this creature took a, a, an anim, uh, a, 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 a position of animosity toward the Prophet Ibrahim salam. That is to illustrate the, the nature of an ummah. Okay? So if that is toward an animal, then how much more so toward human beings? Now, uh, the Prophet ﷺ has informed us in a number of hadith about how Muslims should be toward one another. Uh, indeed, Allah in the Quran says, "Inna that verily the believers are brother. And the Prophet ﷺ said, "Al-mu'minu lil-mu'mini kalbunyan, yushuddu ba'duhu ba'dha." That the believer unto the other believer is like a building. Each is supporting the other. And then the Prophet placed his hands between his fingers like this. To show how they each mutually support each other. In other words, becomes firm and compact. Each is supporting the other. It becomes strong that way. Uh, likewise, the Prophet gave us another similitude. He said, The similitude of the believers. In what? in their mutual love and their mutual mercy and in their mutual kindness and gentleness to one another what is their similitude? Huh? it is like the similitude of a single body a single human being if a organ from it is ailed is ill right? the rest of the body Responds with So the rest of the body responds with remaining awake and with fever. Okay. What does this mean? Now, when any part of your body has a pain, let's say you have a toothache, okay? What happens when you have a toothache? You can't go to sleep, right? The whole body remains, remains awake, okay? The, the, the human body is like that, right? It's all interconnected. 
in the sense that if any part of your body hurts you, the rest of the body cannot re receive uh, any sort of peace or rest. So if your finger hurts you, your whole body remains awake. If your toe hurts you, your whole body. If you have a pain in your stomach, your whole body. In the head, a headache, your whole body. A toothache and so forth. Wherever the pain is, the whole body it remains awake. But what did the Prophet also say? It responds, the body responds with wake, wakefulness. In other words, it can't go to sleep. But also responds with fever. Okay. Fever, right, is a natural reaction, biological reaction, physiological reaction, that when there is an ailment, usually the body responds with fever because it's a way to uh, bring a curative effect to the place of or the harm. Because when, when fever occurs, the temperature rises in the body, um, there are certain immunological responses and so forth that causes the body then to assist it in its healing process. Okay. So the Prophet here is saying that the body, the believers toward one another in their mutual love, in their mutual mercy, in their mutual kindness and gentleness, it's like that body, like your human body. When one part of you is ill, the body remains awake, watching. And also, it doesn't just watch and sits back, but no, it responds with this fever, in other words, to cure and solve the problem. And this is how the believers should be toward one another. Now, we said that uh, we have before us nine principles which we want to sort of uh, illustrate regarding uh, Muslim uh, cooperation and its encompassing. That is, is required for it to do so. The basis of this, of course, is that that Muslims must unite and must cooperate in anything which brings a general benefit to them, and in particular, in the matter of jihad. And I, and I will explain what I mean by jihad here in, in, in momentarily. But the first principle is that the Muslims must unite or must assist one another in their things that bring general benefit and in particular in jihad, which we will explain. The proof, of course, is Allah's statement in Surah, um, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَعَاوَنُوا Assist one another. Upon what? عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى Upon bir and upon taqwa. Bir is translated often in English as righteousness, but it means more than the word righteousness. The word bir in the Arabic language is a common term used to, to describe whatever Allah or his messenger has commanded and whatever Allah loves or his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loves. That's al-bir. And a taqwa means to place between yourself and Allah's anger a shield, a barrier. So Allah doesn't punish you. Al-waqaya means for, to protect yourself. So, so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَتَعَاوَنُوا Assist one another, cooperate with one another. Upon what? Upon righteousness, upon that which Allah loves and His Messenger loves. Upon that which Allah has commanded or His Messenger has commanded, sallallahu And upon taqwa. Assist each other upon putting that barrier, that shield between that and which brings Allah's anger. In other words, stop, your, you know, assist each other from not doing anything which will bring Allah's anger upon you as individuals or society, or as a community, or as a nation, or as an ummah. This shows us that what one must in terms of preparing, uh, that we must uh, assist each other uh, uh, in everything that will bring general benefit to the ummah. And in particular in jihad, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, وَعِدُّوا لَهُمْ مَسْتَطَعْتُ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and muster, prepare. 
what you can of strength against them. Against whom? Against the unbelievers. Because there are two ummas. The ummah of faith, as we said, and the ummah of unbelief. So Allah is saying, muster, prepare, what you can of strength. In all senses of the word strength. And likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu khudhu hidrakum. Oh, you who believe, take heed and caution from the unbelievers. So muster what you can of strength and take heed and caution. They don't because they plot against you. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Many of the people of the scripture wish to do what? To turn you unbelievers after you have believed. Hasadan min anfusihim out of jealousy. Min ba'di ma lahum after the truth has been clear to them. Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah tells us that many of the unbelievers, many of the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians, want to turn you to become an unbeliever. Why? Because he's jealous. After the truth has come clear to them. So in other words, they know that you're upon the truth. They know that the religion of Islam is true. They know that the Quran is truly the words of Allah. They know the Prophet Muhammad is truly the messenger of Allah. And yet they don't want to follow that. And they are enraged that you're following the truth. So they want to turn you to become an unbeliever like that. Out of jealousy. This is Allah's words. It's not something that, that I have made up. So you can't say, well, this is just this man's opinion. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He knows what's in the hearts of human beings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَن تَرْضَ عَنْكَ الْيَهُودَ وَلَنُصَارَ حَتَّى تَتَّبِعْ مِلَّتَهُمْ Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, and the Jews and the Christians will never be pleased with you until you follow their religion. So no matter what you do, no matter how much you conform to their lifestyle, no matter how much you shape yourself to make yourself like them, in the end they'll never be pleased with you until you follow their ways. This is, again, the creator of the heavens and the earth who saying this. As I mentioned, we said that the Muslims must cooperate based upon those ayat and, and those hadith that I cited, upon whatever brings them a common benefit, and in particular jihad. So what is jihad? Well, in general, there's two types of jihad. There is a jihad which is, and what does the word jihad in the Arabic language mean? The jihad comes from the Arabic root jahada, which means to exert one's effort, Okay. So it's a verb in the Arabic language that you would use whenever you exert energy and effort. Okay, You wouldn't say, for instance, you wouldn't use the, the verbal form of the word jihad to say, I lifted the pen. You know what I'm saying? I, I, because lifting a pen doesn't cause much effort and strength, right? But you might use that verb in a, in a, in a linguistical sense to say that you moved a rock across a mountain. This needs a lot of effort and strength. Okay, So the word jihad means to exert one's effort, in other words, something which is a difficult task, and you're using all your energies to win Allah's pleasure. So this type of jihad is basically two types. This type of jihad is two types. The first type of jihad, which is to rectify the Muslims, to rectify the Muslims in their beliefs, in their practice, in their worship of Allah, in their character and conduct, in their way of looking in the world, rectify them in their worldly matters and this is the basis of all jihad in other words to start one's efforts to make the Muslims worship Allah as Allah wants us to worship that's the basis of all jihad the second type of jihad is to push back those who transgress against the Muslims from the non-Muslims this transgression sometimes requires us to push them back by word of mouth they say something which is 
out of ignorance or out of spite against Islam or against the Prophet or against the Quran. We respond by word of mouth, by correcting a misnotion, by correcting a false concept, by guiding them to what is truth. Okay? That's a form of jihad. And sometimes the, the transgression and the aggression occurs by violence. And here, right, the law of self-defense is, is understood by all human beings. If somebody is going to be violent against you, right, then you must use violence then to push back that person's violence. But because we are always following the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal, right, then as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, وَلَتَعْتَدُوا Do not you know, go past uh, by uh, transgressing. In other words, if they transgress against us, we push back their transgression, but we don't do something which is more evil than what they did out of, you know, spite. But rather, we, we do enough to check their evil, and that's it. Okay. So, Muslims, and therefore, as we mentioned, are required uh, to to exercise to cooperate in what brings them a general benefit and also in particular in these two matters of jihad. The first matter being rectifying the Muslims in their beliefs, in their worship, in their conduct, in their worldly matters. Okay? And the second thing is pushing back the aggressors. Sometimes by word and speech and clarifications and sometimes by arms and force when, when required. As far as part of that we mentioned about the jihad toward the Muslims in terms of rectifying them, that among the greatest principles in that is that we establish among Muslims unity of word and that we establish among the Muslims a type of mutual love for one another. This is the greatest form of jihad. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and hold on all of you to Allah's rope, okay, and do not split off. Okay? Now contemplate this ayah with me, my brothers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, and hold on to Allah's rope, all of you, and do not split off. Meaning from Allah's rope. So that means the unity is not just unity for the sake of unity, but the unity is upon the basis of holding on to Allah's rope. In other words, we call the Muslims to unify themselves. We call the Muslims to assist each other. We call the Muslims to love one another and support each other by holding on to Allah's rope. Not by just saying, let's come together just for the sake of coming together. Because that will never occur. But we come together because we want to support uh, what, and we want to fulfill what Allah has commanded of us. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً And remember, he's, he's, he's addressing the Prophet's companions. Allah's blessing upon you, if you were previously enemies to one another. فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَةِ إِخْوَانًا So he joined your hearts, and so you became by his favor, by his blessing, brethren to one another. This is a very important ayah that we also need to contemplate, part of the concluding of that previous ayah. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that unity is a blessing from Allah. Remember Allah's blessing upon you, his ni'mah. So in other words, it's not something that our efforts bring, it's a blessing from Allah. And so if we are not in Allah's pleasure, if we are in a status where Allah is displeased with us, 
then we're not going to be unified. Because it's a blessing. Allah blesses us when we obey Him. When we disobey Him, or disobey His Prophet Allah removes His blessings from us. Among those blessings would be unity. And so now if somebody was to ask very clearly, well, why are the Muslims not unified? Why are they different? Because they're disobedient to Allah. When you're obedient, Allah will bless you with unity. When you're disobedient, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to strip this blessing from you. So you are previously enemies to one another. You are from different peoples, different tribes. There was animosity, there was prejudices, there were hatreds. So he unified your hearts. And you became by his blessing, his ni'mah, brethren, brothers to each other, loving one another. So therefore, the third principle is that that this jihad of unifying the Muslims and bringing them to love and respect is one of the greatest forms of jihad that we must strive toward and put our energies to. How are we going to do this? By holding on to Allah's role, as we've seen in this ayah. Now, the fourth matter is that in the affairs of the Muslims, these common uh, affairs of the Muslims, is that we must... Uh, in any common affair of the Muslims it is required for us to seek the counsel of the fellow Muslims in other words one should not think that I alone represent the Muslims and so therefore what I think for the Muslims is what for the Muslims is no we are an ummah together and so therefore we must seek the counsel of everybody in the ummah who has an ability to give a proper response as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran commands his prophet and seek their counsel concerning the common affair here Allah is addressing his prophet who is receiving a revelation so why did he ask his prophet or command his prophet to seek the counsel of others why even though the prophet received the revelation because it's as a sign that if the prophet has been commanded to seek the counsel then how much more so is anybody else required to seek counsel Okay, and then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wa'amruhum shura bainahum." That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He describes the believers that their affair is that of a shura council between one. Council doesn't mean democracy. Okay, let's make sure we understand that very clearly. Counseling doesn't mean democracy. To seek one's counsel means to seek the advice. Okay, and when one seeks advice of people, you seek advice of those who are qualified. Okay, let's say someone is ill. Right? Who do we seek the advice from? Do we go to the grocer and say, well, you know, so and so fell ill in the masjid, you know, what do you think uh, is the best thing we should do with him? Or do you go to the doctor and say, so and so fell in the masjid, what should we do with that? Let's say there's a leak in the roof in the masjid, okay? Do you go to the doctor and say, well, there's a leak in the roof in the masjid, what do you think we should do? Or do you go to the architect or the home builder and so forth or the construction person and seek their advice? So, in other words, in seeking the advice, and seeking the counsel, you seek the counsel and the advice of everybody regarding their profession and their speciality. Okay, You don't go to the, the, the scientist and ask him what is his advice concerning the, the rules of religion. You know what I'm saying? And likewise, you don't go to the scholar of religion and ask him what's his advice concerning a matter of surgery or building a bridge. Everybody to his own specialty and field. Sometimes people mix, misunderstand that they assume because a person has a PhD in something and therefore he's therefore qualified uh, in every matter. That's not true people are qualified in whatever they're qualified in. If you're not, then you're not. And there's no shame in that, but that's a fact. So, from based upon this, is that uh, we also mentioned, that, which is the fifth principle, is that we must uh, 
you know, prepare ourselves, as we mentioned the two ayahs we quoted, you know, muster what you can of strength against them, okay, and also, Oh, you who believe, take caution from the unbelievers. Okay, so the fifth principle is that it is required for us to prepare ourselves against our enemies. Okay, today they might be peaceful to you, but tomorrow they might turn against you. So therefore, we must be prepared. That implies self-sufficiency. That implies a, 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 a distinction uh, in, in terms of um, in terms of uh, viewpoints and in terms of uh, path and so forth. Because and also it also implies, as the second verse says, to take to take your caution, so that you're not caught un, un, unprepared. You see, our brethren uh, from Yugoslavia, the old former Yugoslavia, uh, amongst the Muslims, uh, because of the factors of that they were in a communist country for for so so many decades, you know, what I'm saying? they they lost their their uh, their identity, Muslim identity, to some degree. Okay, and they began to mix with the Serbs. Okay. They intermarriage between them. Uh, they didn't see any sort of, you know, problems and so forth. And they began to act like the Serbs. They would go to parties and drink and, and, and all sorts of things that the, uh, the Christians did. Okay. And then all of a sudden, one day, the Serbs remembered that they were Christians and these were originally Muslims. And they began to slaughter them. Right? They didn't say to them, "Oh, you know, so and so, Suhaib, or so and so, Ali, or so and so, Abdullah. You know, you were partying with me last night, okay? So therefore, you're a good guy. I'm not going to slaughter you. No, you're originally a Muslim. We're going to kill you. Okay? Either you stop practicing Islam or not. That's the reality. The unbelievers, okay, have this animosity to this. So Allah, the Creator that has the earth, is telling us to take our caution. Beware. In other words, there's something to be warned against. There's a caution there that you have to." Prepare from now. Uh, then the next uh, uh, the next principle is that when we say it's incumbent for us to muster our strength and to unite the Muslims and to take our heed and caution from the unbelievers and to ass- to assist each other upon righteousness and piety and not assist each other upon sinfulness and aggression and the other principles that we talked about, we should understand that this incumbency is only um, for the degree of our abilities. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will only ask us to what we are able of. He will not ask us for that which is not out of our means to do. So for instance, we have a problem in the ummah. Let us say, how many Muslims would you say in Sacramento are? Huh? 20,000, okay. 20,000, okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask of these 20,000 Muslims, He's going to ask the rich ones, Okay, what did they do for the poor ones in the city? I'm I'm certain there must be poor Muslims who who go to sleep hungry, huh, in the city of Sacramento, right? There must be, right? Allah will ask the rich Muslims, what did you do to your poor Muslim brethren? Because this is in your capability, maybe, to, to 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 seek out those poor Muslims and take care of them, right? It might not be in your ability now to come to where I live in 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 the Washington D.C. area, right, and take care of the poor there. Or take care of the poor in Oklahoma City where their brother is. That's something maybe outside of your ability. Allah won't ask you that. But he'll ask you for what is in your ability. And so therefore, these principles we talked about in terms of uniting or assisting each other in, in, in righteousness and piety and not assisting in, in sinfulness and aggression in terms of um, 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 uh, unifying the Muslims in terms of preparing ourselves against the unbelievers in, in terms of uh, seeking the caution uh, from the unbelievers and so forth this is all to the degree of our ability Allah will ask us concerning our ability and each one of us 
knows what capabilities we have. Yeah, you, as a community, we know what our resources are. And we know what we can do if we'd wanted to, to put our efforts to it. This is what Allah is going to ask us for. That which is outside of our capabilities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to ask us for. But And sometimes what happens is, you know, Satan tricks us. See, Satan is always looking for a way to fool us. You know what I'm so he'll come to you and say, whisper to you, well, you know, the Muslims here and there and there and there. How can I take care of all the one billion Muslims in the world? Okay. Well, nobody asked from the Muslims of Sacramento to take care of the one billion Muslims of the world. What was asked about is that the Muslims of Sacramento take care of the Muslims of Sacramento. And if, alhamdulillah, you can take care of the Muslims of Sacramento and you can fi fix their circumstances, whether religious or worldly circumstances, right? And you still have abilities, then go to the next city next to you. And the next city and so forth until you can then cover the whole world. Okay. So sometimes we shouldn't use this as an excuse to neglect what the responsibility that's before us. Okay. Now, so from this is that when trying to rectify these matters, this brings us to the seventh, the seventh principle. Um, when trying to rectify these matters before us, we must exercise our abilities to the utmost with at-tawakkul Allah. What does tawakkul mean? At-tawakkul, my brothers, or al-isti'ana, has two meanings to the word. You know, like when we say in Surah Al-Fatiha, what does isti'ana or tawakkul mean? It has two meanings to the word. The first meaning is al-thiqa. And the second meaning is al-i'timad. Al-thiqa means trust. And the second meaning al-i'timad means to rely. Okay, for instance. Let me give an example. Sometimes you can trust a, a brother. Right? You know that if you gave him, if you said, okay, oh Abdullah, here is my check. Okay, that I received from work. Please take it and deposit it in the bank. Or let's say it's cash, $1,000. I have to pay bills. Please take this and deposit it for me in the bank. You can trust that person in the sense that you know that person would never cheat you. The furthest thing from his mind. But you cannot rely upon him because that person is not a very, um, uh, let's say, a very uh, organized Muslim. So you might give him the thousand dollars and say, "Okay, take it and deposit for me, or pay my rent, or something like that." And he might then come to you the next day in the message and say, "Oh, oh, brother Ali, I'm so sorry. You know, I was praying Salat al-Asr, and I left what you gave me on there on the masjid, and I left the masjid, and I started to talk to some brother, and I went here, and I went there, and then I forgot about when I came back at Fajr time, it was no longer there. Okay, so you know that he wouldn't have stolen from you. That's the furthest you can see. He's a trustworthy person." But at the same time, you cannot rely upon him. All right. There's another person that you know that if you gave him something to do, he could do it. If you said to him, here's this thousand dollars, go pay my rent. He could do it. There would be no doubt in your mind that he could execute that plan to a T, as they said. Right? There would be no problem for him to do that. But at the same time, you can't trust him. Because you know, you know that in his intelligence, he'll figure a way to cheat you and try to make it seem like it was not his, 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 his fault. Now, al-isti'ana or tawakkul concerning Allah, Allah has both meanings with him. Not only can you trust Allah that He only wants good for His servants, but also Allah is capable over everything. So there is no sense of weakness. So that's why always for all our, our needs, we should always put our heart, right, with Allah Azza wa Jalla, trusting and relying in Him. 
Yes, we are commanded to do worldly causes. In other words, we're, we're commanded to exercise the effort. But our heart should always be upon Allah, trusting and relying upon Him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless our efforts and make it have the results that we expect, in fact, even more than what we expect. The next principle that comes, the eighth principle, is that part of this jihad, whether it's jihad regarding the Muslims, as we said, by rectifying them, worldly matters or the religious matters, which is the more important, the religious matters, or jihad against the unbelievers by pushing off their aggression and transgression, whether by word of mouth or by force, that this requires us to study the conditions of the peoples. And let me give you an example. Okay. This is my first time ever coming to the city of Sacramento, right? If somebody was to ask me before I came here, what, what do the Muslims in Sacramento need? I mean, I have no idea. So if I was coming, right, to Sacramento, right, to benefit the Muslims, right, then I would need to know, right, what those Muslims in Sacramento are in need of so I can know how to benefit them. And likewise, Muslims in Sacramento, right, you need to study what the situation is of your fellow Muslims, right, to, 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 uh, to uh, understand what their needs are. I remember it was one time I was in a, in a certain state, I don't want to mention where, but, and um, some people, they came to me, they were, they were very rich people, wealthy doctors, medical doctors. And they came to me after the talk and they said to me, they said, um, Ali, uh, what is your opinion concerning uh, elections and participating in, in the vote process, voting process? So we discussed, I mean, the rules and the sharia, if it's permissible or not. Okay. And then I said, can I ask you a question? These are two medical doctors, very, very wealthy medical doctors. I said, who are you supporting in the, uh, in the election? And they said that they're supporting such and such and such and such party because of these certain reasons. I said, okay. So I said, I said, well, what about this matter of their platform? They said, well, and it was concerning something to do with uh, t uh, concerning to cutting back on um, social aid programs and so forth, right? They said, okay, that's, we, we, we're supportive of that because that, that cuts the burden, the burden on our tax burden upon us. I said, okay. I said, what about those poor Muslims living in the inner cities of your area, you know what I'm saying, who are living on these welfare checks? When those are cut from them, okay, are you going to now pick up the banner and start supporting those poor Muslims? So alhamdulillah, these two doctors were honest. They said to me, by Allah, Brother Ali, we never think of those poor Muslims. So as a result, and it's not to bring fault in them. I mean, they, they became enlightened. They they reinvestigated their opinion, which is why, which is good. Why you need to discuss and talk about things because sometimes a person might forget or be negligent of something. And through discussion, I mean, the, the idea is not to um, to to find fault with these two people. But the idea is to show an example that in order to uh, to assist and to cooperation of, of people, that we need to study. You know the the, the 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 situation, the Muslims, okay, so that we know where the problems are, so we can go and then solve them. What is it in education? What are the youth suffering from? What is it in education? What type of medical care are they suffering from? What type of financial care do they need? What and so forth and so on. What type of marital, social problems, and you know, religious problems, so we can go and solve those. And likewise, if we need to, since we're living amongst unbelievers, I mean, the world now is a global village, right? You can't just be separated from people by by rivers and seas means nothing now. Even oceans mean nothing now, right? So therefore, we must know what the kuffar are doing. How do they look towards the Muslims? What are they plotting against the Muslims? What are they trying to do toward us? 
How are they trying to change our identities? How are they trying to change our religion? So we may muster our strength to protect ourselves against their transgressions, and we can also prepare ourselves from when they when they when they attack our religion, whether by word of mouth or by or by violence. We are able to defend our our, our, our identities, our religion, and our, our properties and our, our our women folk and children folk and our homes and so forth. Now, um, the final principle is that in the end. All, all, all success in types of uh, these types of efforts of jihad and assisting is based upon the notion of fulfilling one's covenants. The greatest covenant is the covenant which one has toward Allah That is the sense of the religion of Islam. You know, one time a prophet, a man came to the prophet Muhammad and asked him, said, "Give me advice. Give me advice." What did the prophet say? Say, I believe in Allah and then be upright. Very few words, but that's the whole religion of Islam. The man asked from the Prophet Muhammad for advice. Say, I believe in Allah and then be upright. Because if you believe in Allah, you worship Allah alone, you know that you're going to be called to account for your deeds in this world, right? And then you're upright in your character, trying to fulfill you know, what you're required to do and what, uh, to the best of your abilities, right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of the rest. We'll bless your efforts and fix, you know, uh, fix the, the amend uh, the ruptures and, 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 and the breaks and so forth, you know. Well, when we are ourselves not upright with Allah, and we with ourselves are trying to find a path that allows us to, you know, take our desires and follow it, and at the same time, uh, you know, stay with Allah's religion, one foot here, one foot there, then our situation will remain as it is. It's a very bad situation, as we all know. So those are some principles that I um, wanted to address. And, and now uh, my esteemed brother, Brother Suhey, will, will comment uh, further. Then we open it for the brothers to hear their comments and questions. Zafu Allah. Zafu it seems that I'm going to just elaborate on a few of the points that he mentioned. Uh, the first one is that if you look in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many places where he could have used an individual type form for the verse that's being used, he used the plural form. For example, in Surah Fatiha, which you recite every day, we don't say, we say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُرُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ We don't say, it is only you I worship. We said it is only you we worship, and only you that we seek assistance from, as the Shaykh mentioned. In the same verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِهْدِنِي أَوْ إِهْدِنَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِينَ Again, he's reminding us of this important concept of being together, where he says, guide us to the straight path. The most important thing in our life is to be guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that he he put our heart on Iman. And that's why the Prophet alayhi salatu salam used to make this dua. Allahumma muqalibu al-qulub thabbit qalbi ala deenik. You know you have this dish maqluba in Bilal al-Sham where they take it and turn it upside down. So the Prophet salam, he's making dua to Allah to put his heart or to turn his heart to belief in Iman. So such an important thing that I'm sure all of us we say every day, Oh Allah, guide me. Oh Allah, thabbit qalbi ala deenik. 
Oh Allah this. But you find in the Quran, Allah says, Dina Sirat Mustaqim. Guide us to Sirat Mustaqim. Guide us to the right way. And other places we find in the Quran that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about some of the roles of support that the Shaykh mentioned, like in jihad. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using this in the plural form. And you must muster your as much as you can of your strength. He's not talking to one Muslim, but he's talking to all of the Muslims. We find, for example, in Surah Tawbah, Al-Mu'minun wal-Mu'minatu, ba'dhum awliya'u ba'd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the believing man and the believing women, the believing men and the believing women, they are supporters of each other. And this ayah that the Shaykh mentioned in Surah Ali Imran, وَتَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدْوَانِ And you all, doesn't mean you sometimes, this is the danger of translation, maybe yeah. you noticed. Yeah. If you read in translation, it says, and you help each other. You is who? Is me? No, you is all of us as ummah. And you help each other or assist each other to bir and taqwa, to righteousness and to leaving those things which will cause Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath to come upon you. And also do not assist each other in sin and transgression. We find in many places in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to this ummah, وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةٌ يَدَعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ And let that arise from you, again you as in a plural form, you group of Muslims, an ummah, a nation of people, who's going to call to khair. Because only one person in the history of the world who was given the name ummah. And after him no one can have it. Is who? In Ibrahim kana ummatan qanita lillahi hanifa was Ibrahim. He's a one man show. But we know. And we find that in many places in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this nation the most noble name. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. Oh you group of believers, you people who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We find also in the forms of ibadat that we do. Just take the five major forms of ibadat that Muslims do to establish themselves as Muslims. Uh, as-salah. When is the, what is the most viable way of praying salah? Is in what way? In jama'ah. Is with brothers. SubhanAllah, in Oklahoma we have one guy, he was Yahudi. MashaAllah, and he became Muslim. Named Salman. We call him Salman because Salman al-Farsi. <laughs> Salman Abdul Hadi. We gave him and his father's last name. Spransburg. So if you meet someone named Salman Abdul Hadi Spransburg, don't be scared. This is his, his family name. And he said, SubhanAllah, Ya Am Suhaib, when I pray alone, I feel different than when I pray with the brothers. When I pray with the brothers, I feel that my, my heart is, is refreshed. And when I pray alone, I feel something but it's like... You know, you have hot and mild at Taco Bell, hot and mild sauce. So he said, when I pray with the brothers, I got fire. And when I pray by myself, I got mild. I told him, yes, because this is the blessing of being in jama'ah, being with the brothers, as we just talked about with our brothers today in the, in the lunch. Uh, look at, for example, siyam. When we fast, if we fast without any type of excuse from sharia in the month of Ramadan, meaning we were sick or traveling or so forth, we fast as jama'ah. We fast as brothers and sisters. We take our breakfast at the same time of day and we take our futur basically at the same time of day if we live in, in the same area. Look at the, the one of the best examples as one, uh, one brother he mentioned. It's like the, the overhaul of the Muslim's body. You know, sometimes you have to take a car in for its complete overhaul. And this is al-hajj. The, the hajj is done as jama'ah. And you only find this type of ibadat in, ibadat in Islam. Where two million people, mashallah, are coming together to proclaim 
the uni uniqueness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You find even in zakah, maybe someone says, yes, zakah, I give it, but its ramifications, as he mentioned earlier, the ramifications of zakah affect who? Affect the entire community of Muslims. If someone is, why are they to stop paying zakah? As he said, example, and this is something that sometimes we don't believe it happens in America, that zakah is not needed here. Because in America, everyone can work at Mickey D's. As this is. Just two days ago, three days ago in the masjid, one of our dear brothers, he called me and said, Wallahi, I don't have enough money to buy diapers for my son. And this is a bad situation for a Muslim to be in. And immediately after Isha, we made this announcement. We have one brother, he's a close brother of ours, and we must assist him. And then brothers took that mouth to him to help him. So if someone, when they pay zakat, maybe they, they don't realize it, but they are helping the community of Muslims and assisting the community of Muslims. After this is being said, and after this brief introduction, to understand that Islam is giving this outlook of, of being together. Uh, because in this country, the, the idea of secularism itself and the ideal of this capitalist beast, so to speak, that we live in, is causing us to be individual in our outlook. And he, he mentioned this. And I was glad he mentioned this. And especially as Muslims. That many times we make Islam just me. Just me and myself. And I lose this, this, ideology, this, this idea in my mind that what I'm doing has a greater impact on the nation of Muslims as a whole. There are two things that we can do quickly, two principles that I want to mention that inshallah can help us to build this link with our brothers and sisters in the world. The first is to understand who we are. As the Sheikh, he mentioned today with the youth, you find like for example this Columbine massacre and these, these youth who have basically been lost. Because he said very simply, they don't know their purpose in life. They don't know. And if somebody doesn't have a purpose, he's going to be depressed. Because if you don't have a purpose, you will not have this confidence in yourself. Because you will have no measurement. Like for example, when I first became Muslim, I used to stay out at night till 3 o'clock in the morning before I was Muslim. Okay. So when I became Muslim, in the beginning I had trouble with Fajr. I used to come home at 6 a.m. Now you have to tell me I have to wake up at 6 a.m. But this is a means of measurement. So you, you use this, these objectives. And when you reach to me, you feel, MashaAllah, I'm doing something. Then after you establish your five prayers, then, oh, I want to memorize, Mathalan Surah Baqarah. And you try, and then when you memorize, you feel in your, yourself you are doing something. And you are getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you feel in, your side, in yourself full of something. So the first thing is that Muslims have to understand their identity. And it kind of goes back to also this morning what the Shaykh was talking about, this hadith of the Prophet Yani that, who are we as Muslims? SubhanAllah, sometimes we sit with our youth and we ask them, what does it mean to be a Muslim? As when they say, well, Baba and Mama, they left me, you don't find Islam in these ayat. But I inherited Islam from my family. So ask them, this is what Islam means to you? Yeah. This is not the correct understanding of Islam. You find sometimes you ask them, what does it mean to be Muslim? Sometimes I'll ask them questions that I know as being a non-Muslim before, why are they And the type of questions that I'm going to ask them, I say, for example, so you're Muslim, why? Why are you Muslim? Why? I don't know. Salli, Jumaah. No, but why are you Muslim? And there's a reason that you are, you are maintaining this deen in your life. And alhamdulillah, Muslim, they can give you some good answers. But sometimes you find them, they don't know. Well, really, I don't know. So how can you be something if you don't know it? How can you be something and you're not sure of it? So the first thing is to identify who we are. And this is going to take place in four ways. 
The first way is to understand our beliefs. And that's why the Prophet said in Hadith Sahih, and uh, I mentioned, believe in mentioned by Imam Muslim, and you read Rabbi Hayrin, Yufaqhim fi deen. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give him good, or her good, he gives them understanding of deen. We see in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, wa fil akhirati hasana, wa qina adabana, wa raqala hasana basri, hasana fi dunya fahmu al-Quran. It's understanding of Islam. That I understand what it means to be a Muslim. And that I understand, as the Shaykh mentioned, that when I became a Muslim, I became from Hezbollah. And that when I joined this, not this group, Hezbollah, I mean in Surah Al-Majadila, Hezbollah, that I became with the party of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that anything contrary to this is the Hizb of Shaitan. Is the Hizb of Kufr and Nifaq. Is the Hizb of those who are the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I should understand this. And this is a big step. When I became Muslim, I knew that I had to stop doing what I was doing in my life. Because I was changing, as we used to say in the streets, I'm set tripping. I'm changing from the cribs to the bloods. I'm changing from the party of shaitan now to the party of Islam, to the party of Muslims. So I understand that being Muslim, it gives me a very beautiful identity as somebody who's ma'Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sha'ul. And that somebody that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he bestowed on them as the shaykh, he mentioned, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ A ni'mah, the ni'mah of iman, the ni'mah of Islam, the ni'mah of an ummah. And when I feel this in myself, I'm going to be confident in myself. So first is my beliefs. Especially what's called al-aqidah, the aqaid of the Muslim. What do I believe as a Muslim? What do I believe about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do I believe in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? What do I believe about this deen? That this is the only deen that was in the deen of Allah, Islam. And this is the only deen of najat, of salvation. What do I believe about the angels? What do I believe about the Day of Judgment? What do I believe about the messengers of Allah? What do I believe about the books of Allah? What do I believe about the, the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I'm not telling you uh, brothers who are just general brothers to go and read deep, deep books into the subject. No, but take the principles. What the prophets call to you find in the Qur'an. And the ulama, they will illustrate it to you beautifully, very simply. But those brothers also are involved in da'wah. You need to know for sure these things. Because when you know what you believe, you know what? You know who you are. But when you don't know what you believe, يعني, that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ in this kitab. And that's why Ibn Qayyim, he mentioned subhanAllah that shaitan, one of the ways he attacks the Muslim is with shak, is with doubt. Sometimes you make Muslim, maybe he's 60 years old, 70 years old, and he tells you, and you talk with him, this happened to one of my teachers. And he was talking to him and he said, yes, uh, we have to give these non-Muslims da'wah because they will go to the hellfire. He said, no, they will not. How long have you been Muslim? 70 years now. You don't know this? Why? Because I don't know what I believe. I don't know what my, my, my understanding of Islam is. And that's why we find many places in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the true believers, always He mentioned these pillars of Iman within. Allah subhanahu started mentioning these things. The second thing is that after I have fortified my beliefs, and we find that this was the method of all of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, for example, Wallahi, read Surah Araf and Surah Hud. These two surahs, mashallah, are giving you really a beautiful way of, of the prophetic da'wah of all of the prophets. And the first thing that all of them said was, Ya qawmi Allah, ma lakum min ilahin ghayr. Oh my people, worship Allah, you have no other ilah, you have no other deity or object except this ilah. 
except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then many times after this, they would say, إِنِّي أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ أَلِيمٍ And they would mention another pillar of iman. Is what is belief in akhirah? And they themselves are another pillar of iman is what? النَّبُوَّة So they are coming at them with iman, they are building them. That's why Aisha radiallahu anha, she said that in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't begin this, this, this Qur'an by talking about don't make zina and don't drink khamr. Because if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did so, nobody could do it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first implanted the iman of the companions in tawheed and in the akhirah. And after this iman was abit, yani was made firm in their heart, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started to give them ahkam. Because they are ready. And that's why you find in the Qur'an, this important methodology of building this iman. When those hawlal, ahlul badiyah, they came to the Prophet and they said, Amanna. We are mu'mineen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Qalatil a'rabu, amana, qul lam tu'minu. Walakin qullu aslamna. This methodology, they said, we are mu'mineen. Actually, these people, Banu Asad, they said, we are like, we are like, not Banu Tamim, mashallah, Banu Asad. They said, I think it's different than your family anyways, that Banu Asad, they came, and they said, we are mu'mineen, just as the muhajireen in the beginning of, of your mission. Notice I didn't say the beginning of Islam. This is another mistake we make. We say, well, Islam began with Muhammad. No, Islam didn't begin with Muhammad, brother. It began with Qum. In the Ma'amru, With Adam, But in the beginning of his messengership, they said, we are like those Muslims. Allah said, no, you're not. Because Iman didn't go into your heart yet. This methodology of first letting Iman come into my heart, letting my heart be incubated with Iman. And this requires learning to sit with the shaykh like you did, mashallah, today, the shaykh that we have here. Reading as much as you can and listening to tapes and so forth. And understanding what's the aqeedah of the sunnah? What's the aqeedah of the prophets? What's the aqeedah of Isa alayhi salam? Is the aqeedah of this, this, this community now that we have? The second thing that that's going to do is create sound actions. If my beliefs are correct, then my understanding of Islam is correct. My actions inshallah will be correct. Because when I understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me, I'm going to act in a certain way. And those beliefs are going to become indicative of a personality of a Muslim. And these practices fall under what we call as amr, is actions. Doing things correctly. Because if I don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly, I will not do what He wants from me, as we mentioned before. The third thing that has to do with this ummah, now we're talking about us in this country, is to encourage each other to this methodology. That we encourage each other on having correct iman and correct following, correct practice. And that we advise each other to this. And that we advise each other as one ummah. Wallahi, I hate when I go to a masjid and some brother sometime if I'm wearing dash dasha, I mean Kuwait is that dash dasha, I think in Saudi it's though, in America it's closed, mashallah. And you go to the masjid and the brother said, Yeah, min fa'in ya akhi? Salam, ana, ana, amriki. Ana, amriki, kaisa, amriki. Salam, ana, amriki, akhi. Why you ask me this question? Or sometimes you find brothers, if they ask you, did you go to this community? Uh, is it Masri? Is it this? This ask me, is it Muslim? That's important to know where I'm from. But don't make this the first question that you ask me. How are you, brother? What's this? This, this? Then, oh, by the way, where are you from? Bro? Because it became important now with Muslims. This, this way, as the Sheikh mentioned that over 250 years ago, if you went to some guy and you ask him, where are you from? He's going to say, I'm from Muslims, man. As you mentioned yesterday, So this good action, this good belief, it causes us to have a good outlook. And now the Muslim outlook is being attacked. As I heard you say one time, 
that they took the land of the Muslims, they took the resources of the Muslims. Now the only frontier left is what? Is the aqaid and the fikr of the Muslims. That's why this interfaith is, is now pounding on Muslims. And they are saying, we are one, we can be together, we can hang out, we can be friends. I don't think so. So this correct belief makes correct outlook. This correct outlook creates correct action. And then we have to encourage each other to it. It's not easy. In this country, it's not easy. And the last thing that we have to do is to be consistent in it. That once I accept this understanding of correct iman, correct action, and encouragement to it, that I myself will maintain this consistency with it. And you're going to find all of these principles that I just mentioned in one surah that I know everybody in the room memorized. And that's Surah Al-Asr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Well, Asr, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا صَارِحَاتِ because in this country, we are in a dangerous, dangerous, we are like extinct beings. Although we are Muslim names and Muslim bodies, our fikr and our understanding of Islam is like extinct. And it's being impounded. You are surrounded by an educator, I'm an educator, my, my degree is in education. The whole entire educational system is anti anti religious it's a secular based understanding where islam everything is draped in the curtain of tawhid everything is surrounded by and decorated by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you are being pounded by this you listen to songs you watch tv i'm not saying you abandon tv songs yes but not tv to your business if you want to watch something appropriate that's your business what you read about muslims 99% of what you read in muslims in the press is negative or they slip small things in underneath the rug to try to make you whoa. Okay? So we are being pounded. And we must hold on to these four principles. First, to keep our identity, because now in this country, the Muslim identity, especially the youth, as I mentioned, uh, you go to a high school, you find the guy, his name is Mo. You go to the masjid, you meet him on Saturday, and suddenly he became what? Muhammad. So, in the weekdays, he's from the Three Stooges, and on the weekend, he's a Muslim. And Mo is a Jewish name, by the way, so that's also something he should think about. In my city, we had a girl, subhanAllah, her mother, you know, I don't know if you used to watch Superman when you were small, and this telephone booth. Her mother used to drop her off in the high school in Jilbab and Hijab. And as soon as the mother pulled away, mashallah, she ran in this, this uh, shismu restroom, and, and she'd come out with this black Marilyn Manson paint on the brothers are laughing and black satanic clothes man and then at three that three fifteen a mother comes at three thirty I've been making dua mama why because of this 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 personality of a mu'min is under attack and you find that this is mentioned even and it's not something new this happened with the companions they were made fun of they were attacked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said they used to look at them they used to make face that was there but they had this belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this identity and we find the impact in one hadith of the Prophet sallallahu which wallahi this hadith is amazing and this hadith is a sound hadith that you find in Riyadh Salihin I believe it's mentioned by Muslim al-Bukhari if you want to see the effects of this, these four principles on a community especially if you read the times of Jahiliyyah before the Prophet's message I didn't say Islam again on purpose but before the time of the Prophet's message you find these people were gone 
Alexander the Great, he skipped Jazeera. So that's okay. These people are crazy. I ain't going down there, man. Let's take me over to India. Because these people are wild. The Romans, that's all right. <laughs> go over there, man. So Allah sent this prophet to them. And if you read about how they were, although they had also great qualities, Ahlul Fitra, Allah subhanahu wa chose them for some specific qualities, but also they had a lot of qualities of jahili, especially ta'asub, uh, uh, this nationalism and this, this tribalism, this Ahlul Qabail, and this, this being away, I am from this, you are from this, and they used to fight each other over. Kind of sounds like now, doesn't it, unfortunately? But that was in those times. But this hadith is reflective of the effects of the tarbiyah of the Prophet and Islam. That the Prophet he was traveling to the desert one time with his companions. This hadith is a sound hadith. And they came upon some people. And the Prophet said, Man antum. Who are you people? Now, traditionally amongst the Arab, if you ask me what's my name, I'm going to say what? Or if you ask me who I am, I identify myself. Like I'm going to say, I'm Suhaib bin Web. I'm Suhaib from the Web tribe. But look at their answers. They said, Nahnu Muslimun. This is their answers. These are the simple Muslims. This is not Umar Abdurrahman bin Auf and. Uh, Maybe some of these Muslims had not even seen the Prophet yet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because in fact the Hadith says that they ask him, "Man anta?" <laughs> and who are you? <laughs> and then he said, "I'm the Prophet." Oh, they became happy. They didn't even know what he looked like. But look at the answer of these people. The effect of the tarbiyah of Islam on them. "Man antum?" "Qalu nahnu Muslimun." Who are you people? These are desert people. These are the people of the badiyah. Yani they don't deal with people too much. The ones that you would think will be the last in the intellectual understanding of Muslims. What they say? We are Muslims. They didn't say we are from this tribe, we are this people. They said we are Muslims. Then they mentioned where they're from, not, not for the sake of a, a racist identity, but to let people know where they were in Jazeera, where they came from. So this hadith is, is really a, a very, very strong evidence that this tarbiyah of the Prophet, this murabbi, how his tarbiyah affected them. And how the Qur'an opened their heart to have this universal understanding of Muslims. Now how can we help our brothers and sisters overseas? And all of this falls under the, the idea of jihad. Yani because uh, all of this in one way or, or another is jihad. And now you find, for example, in Britain, that there was a law passed which basically is trying to stop the funding of Muslims for Muslim countries under the guise of terrorism. In this country, it's been done. Uh, many brothers from Islamic organizations who just deal with charity are arrested overseas. By who? By a, a, a conspiracy that started from here. Especially those who are working in Palestine because of the, the lobby of the Yahud. Just ask our brothers at the Holy Land Foundation. They have been pounded. Why? What's the crime? They are distributing packets of food to Palestinians. What happened to the Geneva, <laughs> the Geneva Code that people have the right to eat? And that's okay. So what are some of the things that we can do? First of all is to understand that once we have this identity, we have a major role to play worldwide as Muslims. And the first one is, I believe, is financial support of Muslim overseas. Uh, especially in countries where, for example, not to offend people like Bangladesh, where they are being pounded because of... Uh, of the environment which is the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to mention the enemies who are surrounding them like China 
for example, in India, which is playing nasty game between them. And also this financial assistance can help them to be free of the clutches of the crusaders, as we say. Because the Christians are going, my wife is from Malaysia, I can tell you honestly, in Malaysia, a missionary will go to a poor Malay and have some food, and he will tell him, and he will reach for it, then he will take the Bible like this. Then he will pull his hand back and he will take the food like this. So, by helping our Muslim brothers and sisters, you are fortifying their iman. And that's why the Prophet said, you should ba'dhum ba'dha. Yani like this building that you mentioned, al-mu'min 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 kal-bunyan. You should ba'dhum ba'dha. That they support each other. You don't know how this is going to help them. Financially, is a very, very... You take one American dollar and convert it to a rupee in Pakistan. You're going to be banked up. You're going to be fat, as they say. And you can assist people in many ways. For example, one time I was talking to Dr. Bilal. And I asked him, why do people build universities in the Philippines, all these Islamic universities? He said, because you can build a house in America for the price that you can build a university in the Philippines. You can do so much there. The other thing that we can do is to have fiqh for them. And to uh, one of the great problems that we find in this country is that we find my brothers, the brothers from the hood, we say, yeah, them foreigners, man. Them foreign brothers just came to make some money, man. Allah is not the good terminology to use. Because we should just say our brothers. We shouldn't first of all say such things. Yeah. We should let those people who can criticize, criticize the brothers. But we should not fall into this. Brothers from here, these brothers from there. And shaitan is playing on this community. This. I saw it many times. We have to make our own masjid. Well, like these brothers, they don't understand us. Man. No, brother. We are one ummah. So to have this fikr for our brothers overseas as our brothers. And subhanAllah, one of the most nice, the beautiful things you can do when someone accepts Islam is tell him or tell her, now you have one billion brothers and sisters. And watch their face, man. Really? One billion? Ya Allah! I need to borrow a dollar from each one. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, now you have entered into a nation of Muslims. And really, if you want to see this uh, a contemporary uh, benefit of this, read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And how when he went to Mecca, this... This, this, this universal understanding of Islam. Man, read what he's writing. SubhanAllah, you will cry. Wallahi, when you read what he's writing. How he changed. I mean, how he saw this and he said, I can't believe it. That only the people can, can, can see this thing. The other thing that we can do, inshallah, is to develop this figure with ourselves and also to call to it. And we should constantly remind each other of, of this duty as Muslims, as a nation. That we must understand each other, as the Sheikh mentioned, not as this, 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 this. No, we must understand each other as, as, as Muslims. This is my Muslim brother, alhamdulillah, he's from Palestine. This is my Muslim sister from the USA. This is okay, alhamdulillah. But the first thing is Muslim. The first criterion is Muslim. Inshallah, I'll stop here because of the time. Inshallah, Subhanahu to give us tawfiq. Just to remind you that I mentioned that in many places in the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is using this plural form of nahnu, of we. Uh, in, in situations where honestly you might think that he would use a singular form because worship is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course but he's using this, this form of we uh, when Allah addresses us he addresses us as a people of Iman we ask Allah to make us from those people that he talks about uh, in many of the hadith of the Prophet he said mu'mineen al-mu'minun and so forth then I talked about two important things that we can do to inshallah gain this understanding and basically they were elaborating on the ideas of the shaykh the first one is to understand who I am as a Muslim because if I don't know why I'm a Muslim, I don't know what it means to be a Muslim, and I don't know the objectives of Islam and the goals of Islam, it's hard for me to be attached to the group of Muslims. 
Uh, and this involves four principles which are found in Surah Asr. Is Iman, is actions on this Iman, acting according to the Sunnah of the Prophet which is our, is our culture. And thirdly, uh, encouraging each other to stay on this by calling each other to it. And the last is to be consistent in it. The last thing that I talked about was the the way that we can connect with brothers and sisters overseas. And one is, I mentioned, to have fiqh for them, to make dua for them, also to assist them financially, and also to call each other to this understanding. That we must revive this one nation concept amongst ourselves, as he mentioned, that was slaughtered, uh, which was, you can say, murdered in cold blood by the, the, the nemesis of the colonialists and so forth. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us and to give us the back, inshaAllah. And never to give up hope on this unity. Because if you read in Sultan Anfal, sorry brother, if you read in Sultan Anfal, you find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, wa allafa bayna qulubihim. Law anfaqta ma fil ardi jami'a, ma allafta bayna qulubihim. Walakin Allah allafa baynahum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the companions and that's why Sultan Anfal is one of the most beautiful surah you can find to understand like the society of Muslims itself. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the Sahaba as وَكُنْتُمْ that they were the enemies of each other. And Allah says that it is Allah who brought their hearts together. And that if you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa spent everything in existence to bring their hearts together, you could not have done it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did it. Wallahu azizun hakim. So inshallah we should never give up on this. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the drop of a dime, inshallah with his dua and with sincere effort, he will inshallah unite the hearts of the Muslims and give us victory over our enemies. Uh, I think we have 10 minutes for questions or 15 minutes. So I saw this brother's hand first now. I have uh, two questions. On, when you were talking about the notion of killing one's covenant, you said a phrase, Guru Amantha did that. Can you repeat that one more time? No, it's, uh, yeah, the hadith of the Prophet, yeah. a man came to the Prophet and he asked for advice. So the Prophet gave him advice in this one sentence. He said, Qul, say, Amantu Billah, Thumma Istaqam. Then be upright. Istaqam is a verbal form of istiqama. Istiqama. And from we also find the same root, we have Yawmul Qiyamah, for people standing up. So an istiqama, or and here the verb form is commanding form. Thumma Istaqam means to be upright, to be straight, to be so forth. Yeah. That one. I have one more in regards to you said about jealousy, um, how people come to us and try to convince us, you know, you, I mean, at least in my neighborhood, a lot of times Jehovah's Witnesses will come over and wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning and yeah. you know, they're asking you to convert and all this. Yeah. Um, you, you say it's jealousy. And did you say it was also stated in the Quran that it's Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah informs us, he says, That many of the people of the scripture love to turn you, okay, to unbelievers, you know, after your faith, out of jealousy, okay? And then the jealousy, why is it jealousy? After the truth has been clear to them. So they know that this Islam is the true religion of Allah. They know that Muhammad is the true messenger of Allah. And yet they want to make us unbelievers because they're jealous. Because they don't want to submit to Allah. They're like Satan. You see? Satan, I mean, did not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell him to, 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 to prostrate to Adam? 
He was in, he's with the angels in paradise, in, 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 in the heavens. And he saw Adam, and he heard Allah's command, and yet he refused. So out of jealousy, right, he's going to, instead of repenting, he's going to strive to make us all a threat. The people of the scripture have this quality. Now Allah didn't say all of the people of the scripture. He said, he said many of them. Meaning that there's some of them who don't want to turn us from our religion, and some of them who don't necessarily you know, want to turn to religion out of jealousy after the truth has become clear to them. But many of them do. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is that don't just look at them as ignorant people who, who don't understand us. No. Uh, many of, Allah says many of them know us, they know we're on the, from the truth, and yet they want to turn us away from the truth. So, yeah. You find this example actually in the life of the Prophet Actually, Sheikh mentioned this verse. In Surah Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa says, يَوْلَذِينَ أَمَنُوا Oh, you believe if you if you obey a group of and again Allah is using this some of them type understanding of of the the people of the scripture uh, they will turn you away from your iman as as kafir and then Allah says uh, the next ayah he says وَكَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونَ وَأَنْتُمْ تُتَعَلِيكُمْ آيَاتُ اللَّهِ وَفِيكُمْ رَسُولُ وَمَا يَعْتَصِمْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدَهُرِيَ إِلَى سِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمٍ and how is it that you disbelieve in Allah when the ayat of Allah is sent to you, the Qur'an, and the Messenger of Allah is with you? And whoever uh, holds on to this way of Allah, this rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he will be guided correct. And the next ayat Allah says, SubhanAllah, why this ayat was sent down? And this will help the understanding of the brother uh, that in the time of the Prophet in Medina, Ali salatu salam. You know there were two tribes in, in Medina of the Sahaba, those people from Medina, Ahlul Medina, and a Yahudi he came between them, and he started to remind them of the wars that the, the Al's and the Khazraj they used to have amongst themselves, and the problems that they used to have amongst themselves, to such an extent that it rekindled and it reignited this this ta'asub that they had prior to accepting Islam, and to such an extent that they started to say, Oh Muhajireen. And oh Ansar, oh, oh as well Khazraj. Actually, this person, excuse me, I'm wrong. He, he ignited a problem between the Muhajir and the Ansar. Okay. The people who came from Mecca and the people who lived in Medina. To such an extent that they started to call each other by group. Okay. And immediately the Prophet ﷺ, he was informed of this and he came to them and he said, Is it still that I'm with you? And you've gone back to Jahiliya. So you see that the enemies of Islam, they are always going to use ways to, to cause splitting amongst the Muslims. Like for example this week the, the rumor that the Palestinians burned what? The Kuwaiti flag. Did anyone know about this? If you read the Arab newspapers there was a rumor that in one of the the, uh, the situations in Palestine that the Kuwaiti flag was burned because they blamed the Kuwaitis for this man's death who had a heart attack oh, last week in, uh, in Kuwait. And you know what the <laughs> the uh, no, I mean, no legitimate press organization has said this. It's a rumor. And we don't know who started this rumor. Because people, of, the enemies of Islam know that one of the ways to get the Muslims is divide and conquer. To split them and eat them. So these ayat were sent in, in, in regards to this verse, that, uh, this situation, that if you disobey, if you follow them, they are going to lead you back from Iman to Kufr. And how is it that you disbelieve? And the Prophet is with you, the ayat of Allah are with you. And the summarization of everything is وَاَتَسِمُوا بِحَبَ لِلَّهِ جَمِيعًا يعني to hold on to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is the Qur'an according to many of the Mufassireen and do not split yourself. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I 
have a question about the, the kinds of jihad, uh, not the first kind, but the second kind, about uh, uh, pushing the force against the, uh, uh, the non-believers, the aggressors. Um, how should we understand, um, how should we understand or uh, make the balance between um, pushing the uh, force against the aggressors and also the tabligh, the da'wah we should do uh, against the non-believers? seems uh, contradictory, like may, uh, being tough against them and then uh, being merciful or helpful uh, to make them understand for the people uh, that are in Go ahead. Anyway, I mean, there's no contradiction. Yeah. When people are non-aggressive uh, towards, mm-hmm. non-aggressors towards the Muslims, and they allow us to preach to them Islam, then we use gentleness, right? And we say soft words in order to, to, to draw their hearts to the truth of Islam. But when people, this is what's happening in the world today, when people come into the lands of the Muslims, okay, and murder them, rape them, steal their resources, take their children, and force convert them into, uh, to make them Christians and so forth, then these people, you know, lost the soft words. It's just like now you with your neighbor, okay? If your neighbor, the house next door to you, right, your neighbor comes to you and is is to you uh, in a position where he says, how are you, how are you doing, you know what I'm saying, and you know, so forth, and he's friendly to you, you act friendly to him, right? Now, if your neighbor is a type of person who is uh, going to harm you, uh, is uh, you think he's going to maybe attack you or something like that, you're going to become completely different towards your neighbor, right? You're going to be always on caution, always, okay, lock the doors. These people look like they're doing some sort of criminal activity. They might try to do something like that. So that's, that's how the thing is. So I'm saying in the world today, right, in the world today, the reality, if you look at the world today, right, is that the unbelievers see the Muslims like an open plate of food to where everybody's being called to eat from, as the Prophet Sallallahu said. Prophet Sallallahu said, verily the um, the nations, the nations, will call one another, okay, to you, to come to you, just like people call another one to a common plate of food. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ, because they were true believers, they said, Because we are few in number, the Prophet ﷺ said, No, you are many in number, but you are like you know, like the floatsome that goes on top of um, the foam that that's goes on top of the of the river. Okay, okay. Uh, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cast a weapon, a weakness in your in your in your hearts. They asked the Prophet ﷺ, what is that weakness? The Prophet ﷺ said, love of this world and dislike of death. Okay. So that's how we are now. Wherever you look at the world, right, the, the believers see the Muslims as an easy prey to pounce on and to, uh, and to eat, you know what I'm saying. And, you, and I ask anybody, you know what I'm saying, if any, because these tapes, I mean, the unbelievers, they, they, it gets to them in one way or the other. Ask, try to find me now, point to me now, where one nation of the world today doesn't have animosity or is not trying to make, make uh, you know what I'm saying, a benefit of the Muslims. I'd like to know. The only, the only nation is that nation which is weak, you know what I'm saying? And, and when those nations are weak, like in the Gulf War, you know what I'm saying? When the bigger nations call them, they all okay. Honduras and El Salvador, these, you know, these, uh, Venezuela, these, bana- what they call banana republics and so on, they all came and they, they answered the call uh, of, 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 the, of the, their emir. So, I mean, the re- that's the reality of the world we live in, you know what I'm saying? At the same time, individually, individually unbelievers, we need to be uh, discriminatory in the sense that we don't cast all the unbelievers with a single brush. 
among the individual unbelievers, you will find individuals amongst them who are not only um, uh, uh, not aggressive towards them, uh, don't have animosity, but some of them might even love Muslims, and they would want good for Muslims. Those are specific individuals, but I'm saying, but as nations and as societies, the reality is different. So as, uh, the it's on the societal, on the, on the society, on the societal level. On the societal level, but not in individual Whether, if there is somebody standing in front of you, okay, with a gun shooting at you, okay, then you have to defend yourself, okay? If there is somebody who's in his home, and he doesn't care about you, or doesn't want to harm to you, right? Then you treat with them injustice and so forth. That's, I mean, it's very simple. I mean, you know, I, there's no way I can tell you, okay, so and so living on such and such street, he's going to be such and such. If we see him before us, you know what I'm saying, as a murderer and a rapist and so forth, we'll deal we'll with him as a murderer and rapist, okay? And if we see him before us, you know, dealing with us uh, gentleness, we'll deal with him in gentleness. Everybody has something. Because we have the problem, uh, like uh, an image problem on the media, like, uh, it's like Muslim is equal to terrorism. Right. Well, you know something? I'm saying I, I, w I would say to those people who, who get who get deduced by that. Oh. Okay, that's it. Okay. The, the computer program. Uh, program. Play it. Whether, let, me, let me say something. Okay, okay. Those who paint us as terrorists, okay, and so forth, they're the world's greatest terrorists. Okay. And, and what I suggest to you, right? I suggest that, you know, one time maybe, you, know, you seem like a young man, you know what I'm saying, you might have some free time, okay? Just go to get in your car and drive the breadth of this country, right? And ask where those original people went. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. You know, where, where are they? You know, I, 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 grew, I, was, I was born and raised and grew up on the Potomac River, you know what I'm saying? I don't find any of the Potomac Indians anymore, and I don't think anybody's seen any of them in 400 years. Okay, so where, so I mean, who, I mean, who is the ones who did the ethnic cleansing? Who is the one that did the terrors? You know what I'm saying? Who is the one? Who is the one who had World War One and World War Two? It's you know, it's their, it's their wars, it's their, their murdering, their killing, their rape, their, their colonialization. That's 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 the fact of of their history and their civilization. Okay, that civilization is a civilization of blood of rape, of murder, of conquest, of killing, okay? And the rest of the people of the world have been the brunt of that. You find in the Muslim lands, okay? There was one brother, I guess the brother who was sitting here, he was he introduced himself to me. He said that his, his father's Sicilian, but his mother was uh, from, from Iraq, but from the Assyrians, okay? See, so his mother comes from a land, one of the lands which was opened by the Prophet's companions. But yet, still she, they are Assyrians. They don't speak the Arabic language. They're still Christians, okay? And yet they've lived in a, in, a Muslim, in a Muslim land for 14 centuries. Why? Because the Muslims didn't touch them. Okay. Yes, the majority of the people of those lands became Muslim because they saw the truth of the lies when they entered. Okay. But this people, their civilization, right, is a civilization of of, 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 of murder and, 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 and mass destruction and so forth. That's their history. Okay. It's, it's, and so I'm saying, you know, don't have to, uh, you know, just open the books of history and let's look. Okay, Muslims committed atrocities, you know. But we, if we list them, if we put them, if we put the list right, we'll see which list is longer. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to make excuses for when Muslims do something wrong. 
We say this is wrong and forbidden by our religion, and we will deal with them as our religion tells us to deal with them. But I'm saying the the the, the 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 judgment of history, I think, is very clear as to who the terrorist is and who the murderer is. No. Yeah. I think the, the basic uh, is a comment uh, is uh, until unless we will not have Quran and Sunnah in our lives. And uh, we can call it uh, the how we are gonna uh, deal with the situation that we are in now. It's the basic. Uh, the basic is that uh, we don't have Quran and Sunnah in our lives. And unless, until unless we don't have that, uh, we will be bombarded by others, by disbelievers. Uh, we will have uh, all sort of uh, problems. Uh, so the, the main thing is uh, that. Uh, we have to have that, and forget about it. Don't be afraid of that. How we are labeled, as long as uh, we are uh, on the blue path, whatever. That's uh, that's. Uh, right. And as the brother just mentioned, the ayah, as Allah mentioned, the Quran, they do not fear the blame or the reproach of anyone who's reproaching or showing reproach or blame. That's that's how the believer is. The, the other comment I want to make is, uh, brother mentioned it very eloquently, that uh, this education system in this country is based on individualistic uh, ideas, that you are individual. It's, there is no family, there is no community. Uh, you are individual. So I think uh, to, to, to counteract uh, to that uh, as a family, as a, as a Muslim, with your kids, with your uh, children, you have to associate yourself with your own community, and that community, mashallah, is building in uh, this country, which is the masjid, which is the center, and uh, make uh, making those centers alive, and uh, having uh, more action there, bringing all your community members there. I think we can counter that uh, individualistic uh, uh, message which our children are getting, uh, uh, maybe. 16 hours uh, of the day, and they are with you only for two, three hours, and you can neutralize that. And that's the only, at least you may comment further, that's the only thing uh, or solution which uh, which I see that uh, bringing the, the communities together and the masjid can play a main, main role, uh, whether you are in the city area or in the suburbs or wherever. Whether you have a, Are you right? So here comes a question, two questions about the Pledge of Allegiance. Should we be talking in Islamic schools? Uh, the, ple the Pledge of Allegiance uh, is obviously something which is halal. Okay? And among the Americans themselves, the unbelievers, right, there are groups among them who refuse to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay? Well, I mean, what does it say? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Right? And for the nation, huh? Which it stands. Huh? One nation under God, huh? So, and for the nation, in other words, the principles and the views and the philosophy of that nation. This nation is based upon the premise that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a liar and not a prophet of Allah, and that's why they just believe in him, and that's why they seek to find a way of life other than from his way of life. It's based upon the premise that they do not have to submit unto Allah as their creator. 
And I remember when I was uh, a boy, you know what I'm saying, at the age of, uh, it's one of the, the good things from my childhood before I was learned about Islam. I was a boy of five years old in the first grade. And they, uh, and they asked me to stand up and give the Pledge of Allegiance. This is way back in 69. You know, I say, yeah, 69, something like that. And I refused. And I went through the educational system, you know what I'm saying? And now I'm doing my PhD and so forth. And so you, you can, you'll survive. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry.